1: Before we get to today's podcast, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors. And this one is close to my heart because nothing's more important to me than the education that my daughter receives. She's gonna be four next month and she's grown up in a bilingual household. so She's already fluent in English and Spanish, but we wanted to expose her to a third language because children find it a lot easier to learn a language than adults do. So in January, she started taking Mandarin at Berlitz Broward for kids and teens in Pembroke Pines and she absolutely loves it. They offer age appropriate private and group classes in nearly a dozen languages and they teach at the students pace while making it fun. Their native fluent instructors are specially trained in the Berlitz conversational method. Sasha now counts to 50, knows all the colors and fruits and animals and even the princesses in Mandarin and she sings Moana songs in Mandarin in the car. Berlitz Broward is open Monday to Saturday and can be reached at 954-743-0077 and found at berlitzbroward.com. Again, that's 954-743-0077. All you got to do is say that five reasons sent you and you get 25% off registration. Again, that's burlitzbroward.com.
2: Welcome to another edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do. Subscriptions welcome, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the new Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. So check out 5 Reasons and, of course, all the other podcasts in our network. Today, we have hosts from two of the other podcasts in our network, Miami Heat Beat and 3 Yards Per Carry. Also, check out BallsCast.com. Pitch invasion, and then we've got a slew of new podcasts to come. So follow us on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports and get all the information about that there. But Ethan, we have been, we have started as a means of of communication a Twitter DM string in which we talk about nonsense all day long. We call it our five reasons BS DM string. It has been an endless source of entertainment for ourselves. And so we wanted to translate some of that natural chemistry into the podcast. And so we are joined by the two alfs in our network at Uptown Report on Twitter. Alfredo is the co-host of the three Arts per carry podcast and at Alf 954 is a co-host of Miami heat beat. And so we are joined by them today to have a full on Pat, Riley conversation as I for me now this is my exaggeration obviously my negativity that I become associated with an existential crisis for the heat for these guys are going to be a bit more positive but alfs thanks for joining us starting first with uh, heat beat Alf
3: what's going on
2: three yards per carry Alf hello so uh so so Ethan uh, this is a conversation <laughs> that you orchestrated you're looking forward to
1: well I, this network is too much work I decided that today as we were <laughs> As as we, as we were launching Five Rings Canes at the same time as I was trying to get something finalized for a hockey podcast, which we're announcing tomorrow, which I know Alf nine five four is going to be a big consumer of, dude,
2: and dude. and
1: so and at the same time that Alf is trying to get me to add light-skinned opinions, uh, his other podcasts to our mm-hmm. network, so I just got and, like
2: and and Alf uh, Dolphins Alf is uh, trying to get you stock tips. That's where That actually yeah. has been very profitable the last few days. So I that's 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 actually the most
1: yeah, you know, that's gonna allow me to quit the network, actually. The stock tips I've been getting from, from Uptown Report. So I basically decided we just want to burn the whole thing down tonight. So what we basically decided to do was bring in I would say, I mean, Nikias is the smartest person in the network, right? We are we we agree with that? Nikias Duncan, smartest, right? Most
3: most definitely. Yes, yeah,
1: most most definitely. I, I think CK is is probably um, top five in in overall. Uh, well, he
4: manages like 10 billion dollars. So. Yeah, right.
1: Right. So Jeez. CK Parrot is up there. Um, Nakias's episode with us did uh, did crazy numbers. He's actually chasing down Udonis Haslam and downloads right now. <laughs> um, and uh, and and these are our two loudest guys, actually. Um <laughs> Uh, l- l- loudest loudest did opinions loudest did always being right and the reason uh chris that i wanted to do this is you know someone would say well why are you having uptown report on on a what is a heat pod that we're doing tonight but uptown i mean i actually became familiar with him mostly through heat conversations and his damn avatar is pat riley so yeah. every time we're on the dm <laughs> yeah. string I think Pat Riley is speaking to (laughs) me
4: Uh, (laughs) and it's been that way since I logged on to Twitter for the first time.
1: Right. So you are, I mean, you are not just a dolphins person. You, you are also a, uh, a heat person. And, and, and in terms of ALF nine, five, four, uh, you know, Chris, it was actually on our radio show on Seven Ninety of the ticket that alpha 954 won the competition for heat Twitter president. So uh, I we regret, felt like
3: I regret it to this
1: day. Well, it was not. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was definitely not an honor.
4: <laughs> well, since he's been president, LeBron left. Yes. Well, we have this terrible cap situation. Keep going. Yeah, uh,
2: blood clots. The reelection campaign is not going well. The committee <laughs> no, to reelect no. Alf has a lot of work to do.
3: No, it doesn't matter. I never. I, no matter what happens, I can't get. I can't leave office. Like I'm trying <laughs> to get out of there, man.
2: You want to get impeached? Oh, yeah. dude,
3: listen. No, yesterday, he Twitter almost had me cancel my whole Twitter account. I was just about done. I couldn't take it anymore. Like they had me on the edge. I was done. Okay. <laughs>
2: All right, and, and you know, and and this podcast is going to explore some of the reasons why Alf is done with everyone. So let's get into it. So I think a lot of people on hashtag Heat Twitter. Reacted negatively to Pat Riley's comments after the draft. For me, it was surprising that it was the draft that sent people over the edge. But here's what he said afterwards. (laughs) He said, and I quote, We're up against the tax. We all know what the accounting situation is with us. When you're a free agent player like we were in 2006, 2010, you go after Kevin Durant, you go after Gordon Hayward. We've always thought big. And as soon as it didn't happen with Hayward, we went right to plan B. And I think that's where we are. We look at this as maybe a two year run. We're a playoff team, we're a playoff contender. How are we going to improve? It's gonna be from within, or the possibility of some transaction that might happen. It's not gonna be easy, but to answer your question, I think, yes, this could be not a passive summer, but it, it might not be the kind of summer that you may think that something big can happen from that standpoint. And so I think he kind of lowered expectations when some people were dreaming about LeBron, about Kawhi, about maybe pulling off a big trade, getting off Tyler Johnson, getting off Hassan Whiteside and it doesn't seem like those things are going to happen at the moment. We'll start with ALF954. I think that's going to have to you know, identify you guys just based off the fact <laughs> that you have the same name. Why do you think everyone reacted
3: so negatively to that? Because Heat fans are spoiled Brett i mean mm-hmm. it's one it's one thousand percent he fans do not know how to temper expectations so riley went out there and he tried to but these people these people are just Insane. I mean, the fact that, okay, they made the playoffs last year. You could talk about whatever you want when it comes to the decisions that were made last year and the year before. I disagree with some of them. They are what they are. We're in the position we're in. If anybody was truly expecting and anticipating a big move this summer, I'm like, what sport have you been watching? Now, let's say Riley comes and pulls something out of his ass because Riley's been known to do things of that nature. Great. Like, awesome. Let's get excited. But to me, like this whole summer is about maybe, maybe like this is my whale this summer. This is where I am. My whale this summer is maybe getting rid of Hassan or maybe getting rid of TJ. That's my whale. Like if one of those contracts get off the books, I'm going out in the street and I'm banging pots and pans. Like we should have a pep rally at the arena. Like that's all I really can expect right now. So when people are coming to me and, you know, I did the whole Kawhi, not Miami. Listen, it's fun. We're joking around. You know, a lot of guys on Heat Beat who who do have legitimate sources, they would report that Riley is working on getting a, a first round pick or Riley's working on a trade. Of course he is. But when it doesn't happen, you can't get apoplectic about it and get all insane. Like the franchise is handcuffed right now. And what we need to look at is this isn't the summer. It's next summer. And we like just be patient for one year, but Heat fans are spoiled brats and they have no patience.
4: Well, it's this, it's exactly everything that Alf just well, the other Alf just said. They're completely irrational and completely spoiled. They've turned into the late 90s Dolphin fan. The last four years of Shula, they went to an AFC championship game, won two division titles, made the playoffs three out of four years, and everybody wanted the can-hand. Everybody wanted him out of here, wanted Jimmy Johnson in, they wanted the new thing. So, what has been the experience of the new Heat fan? It's the big three. And then when LeBron leaves in 2016, they're a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So they think that this is just gradual, Turning of the next guy that's going to come in here and save us and it's just not they've kind of become no. Lakers fans haven't they like
2: like this is what Lakers yeah. fans expect from their team is that every three years they churn over they find
4: a new superstar that takes them to the top of the league exactly and yeah our mis- have mistakes been made yeah the mistakes have been made But they're all made with the best intentions. And that's not, you know, I'm not making an excuse for Pat Riley, but, you know, the intentions
3: were to get better and to win games. Listen, I always go with the guy who makes a mistake in the effort to win, right? Yeah, while going for it. Right. And if and if those, that must like really my my biggest qualm is the the Dion Waiters signing. But at the end of the day, what is it? 12, 14 million. And I know people get all crazy about it, but there's so many bad contracts around the league that teams get off of and they get off of them quickly. Like it's not the end of the world. Like like witty said, there's an existential crisis. I don't understand what the crisis is about. Like, dude, OK, two years of being in the middle of the pack in the East. Wow. Wow, grow the uh, it's it, it's four years. It's four years <laughs> in the middle of the pack. Okay, and like there's teams that have gone forty years in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Like grow up and accept it, dude. Like you're not getting the biggest free agent every summer. Yeah. in fact, the heat didn't get the free big free agent every summer ever. Like before LeBron, that wasn't even a thing. And now it's like the whole heat season is geared towards free agency. And yeah, Pat kind of set that up with whale talk. And some of the things that we've done over the last eight years, but in all honesty, that has not even been the M.O. of the franchise from 1995 to 2010.
1: The M.O. of the franchise, Alf, was, you know, to get the disgruntled star in a trade like that was. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning of this, it started with Pat having one asset, which was Glenn Rice entering his prime. That was the one asset. On mm-hmm. If you look back at that roster, it's the one thing that he had. And he flipped it to get a centerpiece center who was pissed off about the situation in Charlotte and was feuding with. With Larry Johnson in part because of a dispute. Well, we won't get into the details of the dispute, but there was <laughs> there were, there was a reason for that dispute. But anyway, he was able to pounce on Zo. He was able to pounce on Tim Hardaway, marked down, because Tim was playing behind BJ Armstrong, of all people, in Golden State, and people thought Tim was done. Uh, Jamal Mashburn didn't work out in with the three J's in Dallas. That team didn't win. So he was available. So Pat flipped. Kurt Thomas, who was a player he didn't draft, but was actually the best player the Heat drafted over a six-year period. And then you go again to Shaq, obviously, where he had two assets and he flipped both of those. And then you go to Dragic, where his assets were the draft picks. So you're right. That's been the MO of the franchise. I think the frustration now, and I agree with Alf's assessment here about the Dolphins, because I covered those teams, um, not the Shule years, but even if you go to the Jimmy Wanstead years, um, Alfredo, you know hmm. people were unhappy with, with 10 wins like the Ricky teams um, the one that missed the playoffs because of the loss you know, I covered up in New England okay where they mm-hmm. blew that game and Mari kicks the ball out of bounds and they tried to force the ball you know they the blew the an spot. 11
4: point lead in they, four minutes
1: yeah that's the that by the way is the most depressed locker room I was in in 20 years in this business was that that and heat nicks uh, the third time around like those are the two worst locker rooms I've ever been in in terms of guys being totally despondent even
2: even worse than uh, 2011 after they lost in to, to Dallas.
1: Yes, yes, wow. yes. Because because I, I'll tell you why. The, the difference was, if you go to the Heat situation against the Knicks, they were beating their heads against the wall against a team that they believed that they were better then. Um, I, you know, we talk about Pat. I think one of the mistakes of that era for Pat was he pushed those teams too damn hard during the regular season, three hour practices, four hour practice. I once waited outside of practice at LaSalle for six hours. We were ordering pizzas outside waiting for Cause they had lost to the Knicks the game before on national television. And Pat was running them for three, four hours and those teams broke down in the playoffs. And so they were better than those Knicks teams, but they weren't fresher than those Knicks teams. And so. No. So what ended up happening was that team, I mean, that locker room I was in when they lost that last time where Mashburn passed up the shot to Clarence Weatherspoon and PJ Brown could not pick up his head for 20 minutes. Um, Those were the the toughest locker rooms, but the toughest Dolphin locker room I was ever in was that Dolphin team that lost to the Patriots, I believe, in 2002 um, Mm -hmm. and, and lost up there. And after they lost to Minnesota because Chris Carter couldn't catch the ball in the fifteenth game of the season, and if you if you look at those situations, you know again those Dolphin teams were competitive, they were good, um, but they weren't good enough for Dolphin fans. And I think this is more exaggerated, guys, because as opposed to the Dolphins, who hadn't had real success. I mean, they got to a Super Bowl with Marino, but real success for 20-plus years at that point. The new Heat fan, and I'll throw this at Alphonse. I'll throw this at Alf 954 The new Heat fan, the one that... Maybe they didn't pick it up in 2010, but they picked it up with mid-career Dwayne, right?
3: The big, the, No, or it's the big three fan. I call him the, the big three fans.
1: The big three fan. But I think the big three fan extends a little bit to maybe 2008 with Dwayne, maybe even as far back the Shaq as 2006. Fan. Right, the Shaq era. That fan hasn't known anything but chasing championships, okay, except for a 2007-8 season that they stopped paying attention when Kasib Powell started getting minutes and they were (laughs) shutting down Udonis and Dwayne uh, and and Stefan Lasmi and the rest of that crew, Blake Ahern. So
2: so the the period in between when they got destroyed in 2007 Mm -hmm. and the the basically the decision it, it wasn't like the most prosperous times either so like exactly. it, okay. it was so similar to what's th- happening now
3: when you when you put it in perspective look at that we uh, in 2004 2005 they went to the the eastern conference championship 2005 2006 they win it and then boom lean years first round exit missed the playoffs two for two more first round seasons yeah 15 wins two. so it's four years of just Languishing in mediocrity, right now. What was happening that entire time? I mean, I don't, I don't remember where. He, if he, I mean, I, I remember towards the end, oh eight oh nine, uh, Heat fans were getting pretty upset that we were wasting Dwayne's prime, but we mm-hmm. all had this faith in Pat Riley that there was a plan. We didn't mm-hmm. always see the plan. We didn't know what the plan was. But it seemed actually, like a pipe dream when it was get three superstars together. And it always, everything sounds like a pipe dream until it actually happens. Am I saying that in 2020, 2019, there will be another big three in Miami? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that every team goes through lulls. And the fact that when you and people look at the roster and the construction and the fact that, oh, my God, he traded draft picks. And everyone looks at that and just acts like it's doomsday around here, man. Like the Heat will never have another asset till 2030, even though they have seven, seven of their next eight first round draft picks. They have them. They have two huge contracts that will be expiring next summer that will be gone in 2020 almost $45, $50 million off of the cap with those guys. There are, and also, I'm t- I, mean, I didn't even think about Goron. So you have 75, 70 and 75 million maybe coming off the books in two years, and you have your draft picks. It is not the end of the world. If you look, the year after LeBron left, the Bosch's blood clots torpedoed that season, all right? He traded for Goran right before Bosch's injury. Nobody knew that was hap- was going to happen. Goran on that team, you would have had a starting five of Goran, Dwayne, Hassan, Dang, and Bosh. That team would have challenged. The next year, they get one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals, all right? They just ran out of gas. They, they didn't have Bosh. Hassan was out. They couldn't get past the Raptors. The year after that, We had that great thirty eleven finish that everybody loved, but all these captain hindsight people are just like, "Oh, we should have never won those games." Oh, except for Witty, because Witty doesn't enjoy anything fun. (laughs) Um, But and then and then last year, last year, I mean, they were flirting with a third seed almost the entire year. Like it's really, really that freaking bad. Like, (laughs) I mean, when you really put it, you could be the
2: Orlando Magic. But to me, the the difference is is you look around the league and you just kind of go up and down. But you're not the Orlando. No magic. Right. What I'm saying is that you could be. like The, the worst-case scenario in the league is the Minnesota Timberwolves before they get Carl Anthony Towns. It's the Orlando Magic now who have nothing and have had nothing since they traded Dwight Howard. But to me, the difference is is that every team in the league at least has a player—not every team, but most teams in the league have a player, a thing that they hold on to and say, going forward, this is what we have. And I think that's the thing that the Heat don't have. Like a Donovan Mitchell-type figure a Giannis-type Type figure a Nicola Jokic type figure, w- like Witty, someone, Witty Jokic. Okay, get out of here with that.
3: Anyway, Nikola Jokic is <laughs> a really good player. Oh, yeah. Jok- Jokic would move the needle in Miami, dude. Believe me, they'd be lining up outside the arena to go see. Okay, Jokic. but we're, but like, we're talking listen. about from a basketball okay. like people who know okay, basketball. But no, but listen, Witty, do you think it's just never gonna happen again? No, like, I'm, just... I'm not
2: saying, but I'm what I'm I, saying is that why, right so now, why are
3: you getting why are people getting so upset? Like, dude, it'll happen again. Like, just wait, Like, be patient, and in the meantime, enjoy what you're if. If you don't enjoy the style of play that's one thing I can hear you I can understand people saying I don't enjoy watching this team play because last year at the beginning of the year when Deion Waiters was holding the ball for 14 seconds in the shot clock I was not enjoying that brand of basketball but otherwise you're watching Josh Richardson you're watching Justice Winslow you're watching Bam you're watching Kelly Olynyk turn into a really really serviceable starter in this league like there are enjoyable things to watch if you just want to watch basketball but if all your focus on is assets and offseason like you're going to drive yourself insane. I don't even understand how people watch basketball like that. It's all transactions. Like, what happened to the, like, there's there's a game going on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do not understand it.
2: Continue on with the Five Reasons podcast, but first, a word from one of our sponsors, the International Champions Cup, one of the presenting sponsors of the Pitch Invasion podcast here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. An incredible lineup of soccer games coming to Miami. If you have that World Cup fever and you want to watch high quality, top-class soccer here in Miami. It is coming to Hard Rock Stadium at the end of July. Two incredible men's friendlies featuring Manchester City taking on Bayern Munich on July the 28th, and then on July 31st, Manchester United taking on the Champions League winners, Real Madrid. So those are the two men's men's matches. They also have a women's tournament coming as well with Paris Saint-Germain, Lyon, Manchester City, and NWSL's North Carolina Courage. And the tickets, by the way, for that event are super cheap. You can get on top of the action tickets for as low as $10. For your tickets, get to internationalchampionscup.com and check out the schedule there. It'll be a full week of events here in Miami. You're going to want to check it out. It's all happening at Hard Rock Stadium. Get your tickets at internationalchampionscup.com. And now, back to the podcast. As someone who watches basketball that way, I can tell you that this Heat team bores me. That I
3: just. Well, I you have watch to... basketball with spreadsheets, like you watch basketball with spreadsheets, and no, you have your not, Excel It's not again. Okay, so crap. You, you, you drive me nuts. Okay, so nuts.
2: stylistically, like you're saying, when I actually watch the games. They're fun games to watch. It's just I don't. I cannot bring myself to be interested. I cannot bring myself to care. Right for me, it's, of, it's totally and utterly lack, meaningless.
3: The, the lack of assets is gnawing at your brainstem it's, it's the entire time ass, while you're watching. It's not about watching. assets.
2: It's, it's future. Like, it's it's the, having the, any semblance <laughs> of anything to hold on to. You're worried about the so
4: you the can't, so you can't like, enjoy a team if they're not going to challenge for the title that year.
2: I, for me, it, it's it's not necessarily about challenging for the title. It's about do they have something? Am I watching something that can be a cornerstone piece, or they have something that in their future will lead towards a championship? And for me, all they're really building out right now is if they eventually do get good, they have their cast of role players right now, but they don't have any mm-hmm. one individual talent or any one you know path that appears obvious towards their next Donovan Mitchell, their next uh, Devin Booker, even like just a, a player that you oh feel God. like is uh, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Giannis, whoever you want to talk about as their next cornerstone player that Dwayne Wade was that even in those lean years that we talked about from 07 to 2010, you know, you at least had Dwayne who was in his prime who was averaging 30 points a game and night to night. You're saying, oh, at the very least, whenever we get good, we have that guy. I don't see the Heat as having anyone who's that guy.
3: Okay, but before the Bucs had Giannis, they didn't have Giannis. Before the Knicks had Porzingis, they didn't have Porzingis. Before the Suns had Booker, they didn't have Booker. Like, they, like I don't understand. Like, you're acting like it just won't – it'll never happen. That's I can understand you're saying I don't enjoy watching the Heat play right now. But the, the doom and gloom that goes on is what I just don't – I just do not understand. Like, the fact that people don't, under, like, don't see that teams – turn things around in one summer in this league like this is not baseball or football where you can't it's not like adding a superstar in football and dominican sue changes your entire team no it does not you add one superstar in basketball it changes everything now this wasn't a summer for it to get done like we riley tried last year with gordon hayward it didn't happen he tried with kevin durant it didn't happen so he's damned if he do and damned He's damned if he does and damned if if he doesn't. He's not going after any whales this year supposedly he doesn't ha- he doesn't have the cap space like it's going to happen like people just need to be patient and enjoy the process. oh my God, I said process <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, cut that, that later with no no, that, 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 no that's, that's, the, that's the promotional clip
2: for the podcast. <laughs> that, that, oh God we're, we're, we're distributing
3: but, that everywhere but, but hey, look you're, you're, you're enjoying the process while making the playoffs. You see what but, it, the difference uh, is. Yeah, but Alf, Alf,
1: But Alf, here's here's my issue with it. Okay, and and look, I as I said earlier, I think Heat fan has become spoiled. I'm with you guys on that. There is a similarity to the Dolphins under Shula and then those early years with with Jimmy and Dave, and this does happen in certain areas, and people are spoiled with the Heat. But I think the frustration of this is you said this wasn't the year to get a free agent. It could have been, and and yeah. that see see that that's my issue, and that's why look, you can look at the totality of Pat's record, and I think. There's this thing like where if you criticize Pat, then somehow you're not respecting his greatness. He is great. He made basketball matter in this town. I say that before I say anything else, okay? He is, to me, he's ahead of Shula, okay, in terms of Mm -hmm. being a team builder. I mean, Shula had... Something to do with, with with building those teams, but there were others who were involved who never get mentioned. Um, Don obviously was a tremendous head coach, but Pat in terms of the combination of personnel and a head coach and what he did with basketball in this town. I mean, if you just go back to 1995 and where this place was and it was all Dolphins all the time with a side of Hurricanes – And to make it about the heat to where it is now, that is Pat. To me, that is Pat's legacy. But you can nitpick at certain things. Okay. And to me, this past summer is the worst summer that I can remember him ever having because you say they can't get a free agent this year. But what if they? they don't do what they did last summer. Like what was the urgency to sign James Johnson to four years where he's going to be 34 years old at the end of it. And to justify it by saying that he's making 13 or 14 million. And that's a movable contract. Like James Johnson has played for seven teams. He's never had a season like he had last year. And my frustration with what they did last summer is that and i said this on a previous pod but I, I i to me this is the big point here i don't think pat gives spo enough credit okay like my my whole thing about that is like recognize who your head coach is and look spo has certain things that are perceived as weaknesses also okay like i've had many many conversations with role players over the years that he's not great at the communication thing with them okay like that's been sort of a consistent thing but as a head coach i think this is an argument we can have as a head coach, as a tactician, Spo is ahead of where Pat was. Okay? He is, he's, but, better,
3: he's a better coach. He, he's a he better
1: is. in that, not at the motivational stuff, okay? Because Spoester doesn't like he doesn't like confrontation sometimes, okay, is the way players put it. But as far as as the tactician stuff. He's ahead of where Pat was. Pat was not. Pat was known as a great motivator, a great team builder, great at managing personalities, elite at all of that. But as as a tactician, you never really hear people. They say Showtime, but I mean, let's be honest. Okay, he was smart enough to put the ball in Magic Johnson's hands, regardless of what Johnny <laughs> thinks of Magic Johnson. Okay. I'll okay. Move. Okay.
3: Ethan, <laughs> let me let me ask you something. We all we all think Pat's smart. Pat's dialed in. Pat know, Pat knows what's going on around the league. What if Pat already knew that there was no chance of LeBron? Because I don't think the whole LeBron coming back. Miami thing was ever an option and if it was I feel like they would figure the shit out like I really why does
1: it have to be but Al let me ask you this why does it have to be LeBron in other words you said earlier I never thought LeBron was coming back either but how
3: about Paul George Paul George okay he's going to LA but but, okay but but but, but you you don't want the chance like
2: like the the whole the whole mantra of Heat fandom is get me in a room the whole mantra of Riley is get me in a room I wanted him in the room and he's taking himself out of it I'm just surprised by it
3: how about you set yourself up to almost to, ha- to have seventy five million coming off your cap in two thousand twenty?
2: But but you're doing that in two thousand seventeen. Like you have a three year plan of mediocrity. I mean, like they did it in two, Back in two thousand eight,
3: they had a three year plan and it worked. Yeah. I mean, that's what I don't, okay. He, no, but
2: but he, they but they weren't adding salaries in two thousand and seven to like the, serving, they were they were kicking serving, the can down oh,
3: the road, not signing four year deals. Yeah, they were kicking the can down the road, with, and everybody that they signed was expi- was was coming up due in 2010. I'm not saying that there is a master plan. All I'm saying is, if if you're talking about next year, Goron, TJ, and Hassan will all have expiring deals, right? They'll have draft picks to trade, which will make everybody crazy unless he trades it for a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. He will. If 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 it's it, okay, we say this summer he blew it. He completely blew it. And even if I agree with you, because I don't like the Dion deal, there's really no other deal that I hate. I hate the TJ deal now. I didn't hate it at the time. I hate the San deal. I didn't hate it at the time. So in hindsight, yeah, we can poo-poo all the deals. But the only deal that really, really bothers me is the Dion deal. And only because they knew he needed ankle surgery. And that bothers the shit out of me. Like, that is poor. Like, to me, that's really poor planning, Right. So all that put aside, you're still in position in 2019 or in 2020 to have a, a space for three max contracts and tons of assets to trade. So everything is everything is gone to hell. It's doomsday around here, except that in, in the next two summers, he's going to have tons of room to play with.
4: Even the waiter's contract is only $11.5 million, and it's less than 10% of the cap. Like That's the very definition of a contract.
3: Without on Hassan, or TJ, look at those contracts. I, they, I'd,
2: I'd, I'd say James Johnson's
4: bad. Like, just
3: that's a bad, bad. contract. A I
2: bad.
4: would agree with that because it's over 12% so, of the
3: contract. So,
2: okay, so, so, so let, me ask you, let, me, let me ask you guys this question. I'll start with Alfredo. When, so you said that Pat made mistakes. What would you acknowledge, were that, and, and you might have thought it at the time, but maybe not have publicly expressed it. What would you say now are his maybe two biggest mistakes?
4: Well, his two biggest mistakes are obvious. It's getting desperate to retain the asset that was Tyler Johnson and and buying into that poison pill, where now you're stuck with a $19 million cap
3: figure this year. And, and reportedly, that was Mickey's idea. I let Alfredo finish. OK. And the
4: other one is the obvious one, which is James Johnson. I do not think that Hassan Whiteside at the time was a mistake. You got to retain the asset. He had a suitor in Dallas. He would have been a maverick. That He would have been a maverick that day if you didn't give him the, the deal that you gave him. And you kept them at the time you thought maybe you could flip this guy for CJ McCollum or maybe even Damian Lillard. People forgot. But at that time, every, he was considered one of the best free agents on the market. So I don't think that was a mistake. I don't think Deion Waiters is a mistake because for a, a 15 per guy at 11 and a half million dollars, less than 10 percent of the cap. Yeah, like you can move those guys. Kelly Olynyk, I think, is a good deal. So yeah, those are the mm-hmm. two biggest. Which is mistakes funny because Kelly Olynyk was the deal that sent me over James the Johnson.
2: edge, where I was like, oh, "Hang on a second, what are they locking themselves into?" And yet, for me, he's like the most movable player they have right now.
4: Yeah, and he's exactly at ten percent of the cap.
2: So so Alf, so Alf, how about you? What would you acknowledge? So I think you've you've kind of said I thought there were mistakes. You mentioned Dion, but like, do, do you think that? What he's done in the overall, right? Locking himself into this team for the next two years is a mistake. And what would you have done differently?
3: When I look at it, I would not have given Dion or JJ four year deals.
0: Sick of being upsold at gyms?
3: three with a team option who knows if they would have taken it and this is where i do agree with ethan wholeheartedly he underestimates spoke right he felt like he had to lock these guys up to maintain a core but it almost feels like spoke can make anybody james johnson or Deion waiters correct all right so i do agree with you there but now on the other hand i don't see the contracts as these albatrosses that are imminently immovable hassan's contract when you look back in hindsight like i afraid it was saying that summer, Hassan was one of the top two or three free agents to be had the TJ contract. Everyone says that was Mickey's idea. Mickey pulled the trigger on that. So we can blame Riley all we want, but listen, Riley gets all the credit. So yeah, he should also take the blame. He, if he, if he had to step in there and say, we're not paying TJ 25 million in year three, he had to say it. So what would I have done differently? Probably two year deals with a, with a team option. Um, But at the end of the day, when those guys, when the only guys that are signed through 2020 are going to be JJ, Dion and Kelly O'Linick, I mean, it's not at about 35, 40 million. It's not that big of a deal in my eyes, but
1: here's the other problem with it Alpha JJ deal. Okay. Is that, so you have a player in justice, okay. Who you're trying to develop. And, and, you know, I think, I know Chris and I differ on this one a little bit. Um, He sees, I mean, he kind of, I I'm almost to speak for you completely witty, but you'd given up on him a little bit.
2: I've given up uh, on him as a foundational piece. I think he can be a, a really good role player. And he was a really good role player in the postseason.
1: Okay. So I, I see justice as a guy who is a really good player on a good team. Okay. Like uh, he's not, he's not someone that you want on a, on a mediocre to bad team. I think on a good team. And I think we saw that in the playoffs. He's a very useful guy. Why would you progress stop him with James Johnson? I, I t- to me that makes no sense. Like uh, to me, what you want justice to become is a better version of James Johnson. Ultimately, so to keep JJ on the roster for four years, and I just
3: again I but look see, at I, I don't I, okay I don't agree with you there because Justice ne- has neither neither the size nor the length to play long minutes at the four fine. Spot- Spot minutes, yeah. Long minutes Sp- at the four, he can. JJ is a proto- prototypical new four in this league. long, he's, pro- he,
1: he, he's a prototypical new four who's, shoot, who's shooting low 30s from three. But yes, okay, so even if you're going to say that Justice is not going to play the four consistently, even if you're going to say that Justice's best position ultimately is the one, which could be the case here, okay, because they, this team seems to – want to do that because they will not go out and get a backup point guard. Like we've talked about this for three years. Now they tried to make Josh Richardson, a backup one. They tried to make Tyler a backup one. Um, I mean, they've had, you know, they've had Josh Richardson playing out of position basically since he's come here. And so I want to get to that too. Pat admitted in his press conference at the end of the year that Josh Richardson's best position is the two, which anybody who watches him Mm -hmm. has already acknowledged. Like that's where Josh Richardson should be playing. So you, you, you basically clear the path by, not giving Dwayne the third year. Right. And then, so what do you do? You bring in Dion, who's a reasonable facsimile for one year, who's had three, two to three months over the entire course of his career that you could trust him. Okay. Because, (laughs) right. I mean, because Cleveland, I mean, I've told this story too. Like the first, one of the first things LeBron did when he got to Cleveland was like, okay, we need to get rid of this guy. Like they froze Dion out 11 possessions. I was at a game in Portland First 11 possessions of the game, okay, LeBron and Kyrie did not pass to Dion. He did not touch the ball once. He fumbled the ball out of bounds, and he checked out, okay? Like, th- th- there was a decision made in Cleveland that that was not going to work. Then he goes to OKC. He had a good playoff. They decided they didn't want to keep him. They didn't want to pay him. He signs for, what, $2.7 million over one year, which was a steal from the Heat. So again, why do you, you, then you're going to, you're going to re-up Tyler too. So you've got another block. So you've got two guys at the two spot when, when a guy who's a young promising player who you are going to sign to a good contract and Josh Richardson is best suited to play that position. I mean, and then you know they sign Ellington, who's a nice surprise. But they've got five guys on the roster potentially coming back next season, whose best position is the two. And if you want to include Magruder, it's six. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I, to me, it's here's here's what's frustrating to me, Alf. Okay, and I want Alfredo to jump in on this too because I I know again you can be rational about the Riley thing. I, I is I think what's frustrating is, and we've talked to Sedano about this on the pod, is that Pat's gone against everything that he's believed in because his whole thing is flexibility space, not tying himself to average players. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, and that's what he's done when he's had average guys, he's looked to move them when he's had like slightly above average guys like PJ Brown, he's tried to get a Lamar Odom. Okay. Like that's what he's always done. And so I just, I, I don't understand why you progress stop at the two with Dion, you progress stop to a certain degree with James Johnson, Um, I'm with you. The Alina contract worked out much better than I expected. So credit to them for that. But I I just and and now the white side thing, I don't look, I was I wrote a column at the time that they should go ahead and do it. So it's it's hard for me to go back on it now. I I question whether he'd be motivated once they paid him. There were people in the organization I know who were not comfortable with it. Um I think some of that's come out since. Okay, but I, I understood protecting the asset, okay, at that point. But you know, and now and they didn't know they were gonna draft someone like Bam, but They did know that they wanted Josh Richardson to develop more at the two spot. Um, They did know that they needed to find a prominent role for Justice Winslow to see what they had there. And so those the 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 Dion contract and the JJ contract, I just I I will never for the life of me because it took them out of the room this summer. It took them out of the room, and they almost got Gordon Hayward when. When Gordon Hayward's other option was either playing in Utah, where he was beloved, okay, or and where he's comfortable, or going to Boston to play for his college coach and they nearly got him so like they nearly got Lamarcus Aldridge when they had nothing to offer him but what a one-year deal at the mid-level exception like like what he said like why would you take yourself out of the room this summer that's that's I, what, I, well, that's I, what I don't get I will okay, say I'm this it was him.
4: complete it was completely uncharacteristic of Pat Riley because he's usually known for the cold move and I thought that these all these moves were designed to like show other free agents that if you put out for us we will reward you and that's something that they have never done so i would say that just falling out of character i think is the biggest fault that you could lay at pat riley's footsteps right
3: here. now i i did bring this up last year i think riley did get caught up in some of the motion of that 30 and 11 finish and i wonder if if spo was knocking on his door saying hey bring me back this team we can you know we can keep that momentum going but also what i looked at last year is um not locally because locally everyone's against him but Around the league, I thought he started to get some of his uh, luster back with uh, the Dion article, um, with all the James Jones and Wayne Ellington. I'm talking about the 2016-2017 uh, season with mm-hmm. the Wayne Ellington, all the quotes about culture, culture, culture. Right. I think he started to get some of that luster back. And I think Alfredo has something there when he's saying that maybe Riley wanted to show, listen, I'm not a cold son of a bitch, right? I'm not probably what you've been hearing from the Ray Allens and the LeBrons and the Mike Millers and the James Joneses. I am about my players. And maybe he did reward these guys, hoping that the rest of the league turned around and saw it and said, look, Riley will do right by you. Now, is that a smart basketball decision? I don't know. Maybe does it pay dividends in two years? Maybe it does. I, in fact, I mean, we weren't in the room, so we don't know. My biggest thing is that it's not like it's not these things are things that cannot be rectified. And and I guess the, my biggest problem is people are acting like Pat Riley has torpedoed the organization for a decade and he hasn't.
1: But but Alf, let, let me jump in on this because there is I do have a disagreement with Alfredo about this part. Uh, Pat has been very sentimental over the years about a lot of things, but he's never boxed himself into a corner like this by doing it. OK, so here here's a couple of examples. Late mm-hmm. late 90s. Uh, there. I look. I remember many columns written by Dave Hyde, maybe Greg Cody, myself. Uh, you know, even Dan. I think okay, writing about how they needed to break that team up in the late '90s. That the the Zoe PJ, you know, Mash uh, Tim Dan Marley team. And Pat held on to that team. Okay, he tried to move PJ more times than got out publicly uh, to try to break it up. But he held that team together for basically five years. Okay, until he he he's finally. You know, they lost to the Knicks three times, and so he did finally make the trades to bring it in. Eddie Jones and Anthony Mason and Brian Grant. And then that might have worked. But like the Bosch situation, he had bad luck, okay, with Zoe getting sick. And so it, it didn't end up working out the way expected. But he and was sentimental. Getting- right. But he but he right, Tim, yeah, Tim's body started to break down. But but look, but in that case, it's not like he did irreparable damage for even a year or two. He just held with it a little too long. Two thousand six, he brought that team back, which we knew was hanging by a thread because Dwayne had carried them to a championship, but they had like six, as you said on our pod, like it depended on the day who the craziest person on that team was. Right. So you you knew at some point that was going to fall apart. He brought them all back sentimentally. I mean, the whole team, if you look at that roster, I think they replaced one guy. I mean, it was like like of the 15, like it was a, well,
4: he He had a, a, he had a quote that summer that, that where he said that he could never see breaking up, uh, defending champion that he always let a defending champion come back to try to defend their crown. Right. And, and what, what, what,
1: ended, what ended up happening? Okay. It Shaq got, disaster. Shaq got fat and lazy. Right. other uh, I think Dwayne got hurt. Uh, they, they ended up uh, playing a young bulls team in the first round and Luol dang ran them off the floor and they got swept and Pat ended up clapping them off the floor at the end. It was just, the whole season was just a foregone conclusion. Like they were headed. Mm. There was no fight in that team. So, but it cost them. What did it cost them? Nothing. Right. I mean, it cost them one year and they ended up dumping Shaq after that. And that started the Sean Marion to Jermaine O'Neill to cap space. Right. Like that was ultimately the path. So in those cases, he 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 brought teams back sentimentally and he is much more sentimental, than he's given credit for the whole thing about wanting guys to be at each other's barbecues with the generational team, like he's a sentimental person in in that regard. Okay. I mean, nobody leaves the organization, right? Like people get taken care of in the organization. Like see so, so this idea that he's this cold son of a bitch, like I don't I don't I think that's myth that's been perpetuated out there, like that I think, in some ways, well, builds well, well, well part
2: of well, part of being branded as the Godfather is making right. cold, calculated business decisions. Correct, yeah, and,
3: but- and and that's what I was saying, Ethan. I start I started to get that feeling that around the league, that's what he was seen as. With when you when you talk about the Mike Miller amnesty, the Joel uh, Joel, Joel Anthony trade, uh, people feeling blindsided by moves he made. Like I do feel like maybe that was actually starting to happen. Well, and here's the other thing you mentioned this too. He did something
1: very uncharacteristic. At the end of last year, um, which is uh, you know, and I know because I, you know, I got, I had a one-on-one with him. I don't know, maybe after LeBron left. Okay, the year I was covering uh, the Cavs, 2014-15, where he he talked about a lot of things related to LeBron. Okay, and I know how hard it was to get that interview. And he ended up doing that long piece with White with Wright Thompson on ESPN.com, as you mentioned at the end of like sort of the last two months of that 31 and 10, you know, 30 and 11 run. Okay, and it was a very sentimental piece. Okay, all of that, and about how badly he wanted that team to make it, and all that, and he gave Wright like, and Wright's like one of the best writers in the country, but he gave Wright like unprecedented access to him. Yeah, and so that is that is a really sentimental thing for him to do. I mean, the end of that story is him sitting at a bar with Wright. Okay, you know, talking about you know just missing. I believe it was about just missing the playoffs. So I do think you're right out that he got caught up in that team. Um, did Spo go to him and tell him to bring all those guys back that I don't know, but I don't know that Pat would have done that if Spo didn't at least tacitly approve of it. But I keep coming back to this. If, if you're going to, if you believe in your coach, that your coach is inflating these assets in the same way that Brad Stevens inflates the assets with Boston, right? Look at Jake Crowder outside of Boston. Look at Avery Bradley outside of Boston. Look at Isaiah Thomas. I know he's hurt, but look at Isaiah Thomas, Outside of Boston, okay. There's the same thing with Spo, and the same thing to me, in my opinion, with Quinn Snyder in Utah. Look at how Utah players have gone after they have played after they left. If you're going to believe in your coach, then just believe in him. Like he says, to just do it with another group of guys. Like just bring in Tyreek Evans, bring in Jeff Green, get what you can out of the season, roll it over in the next year. And that's my thing is that he he basically he took himself um, out of the room this summer. And the way I took that press conference was it was this like realization that that was the fact, like that's what i took out of it
3: but at the same maybe it was right maybe it was a real real, realization like oh crap (laughs) i i gave gave james johnson way (laughs) too much money man like (laughs) holy shit what was i thinking but at the end but like it's one summer guys like that's my whole thing man it's one summer Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to enjoy my summer i'm trying to do some day drinking I'm trying to <laughs> go, go down to the beach and look at women in, in scantily clad. Like, I'm trying to enjoy my summer and heat Twitter, and you guys are ruining it with getting all apoplectic about everything that Riley does. Like, listen, it's one summer. Next summer, we might be banging pots and pans on Bird Road. Who knows? Like, like this summer's a wash, man. Like, it just is. It is Now, We listen, we are in the business of going back and analyzing moves and second-guessing. I just feel like it's it's gone to this other level of where, like, Riley has done nothing right since 2013. But when you actually look at the moves he's made, he has made good moves, right? Okay, Danny Granger, listen, we all, we all felt, well, maybe we didn't all fall for the Danny Granger thing, but he did have that one Christmas game. <laughs> okay. And that was worth two million dollars. I'm sorry. I agree. Dude. I agree. <laughs> that was you. worth two million dollars. Josh McRoberts. Yeah, oh, he, he hasn't was, done
4: anything oof. worth anything. Yeah.
2: Listen,
3: Josh McRoberts. Every time he was out there, he looked like this beautiful unicorn that was about to do something, and then he wouldn't shoot. And well, then, was, that,
2: he, he was such a good dribbler, though. Oh, oh my man. god! And he dribbled. He, just,
3: he looked like he had such a mastery of the offense, except for the shooting part. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really upsetting. But, but Alf, I but Alf,
1: I don't even know that that was Pat's preference. I got the impression on that one that uh, that that was more Spo To be honest, like yeah, tall,
3: I, tall white guys I, who could play multiple positions. I I don't know. I don't know if it's the white thing, but no, that's I, I, the white I guys. But, but I, I, <laughs> like next next thing, Joe Ingles is going to be down here making a bunch of money. I well, know he's, it.
1: He's he's actually good though. Like I I I, I don't think. <laughs> look i i don't think that was mo- because I, that interview i mentioned with pat like he didn't mention Mick roberts but it was sort of right after that signing and he pat went on this rant about uh, about how guys who you sign as free agents who you don't realize are not in shape because their agents won't let them condition and like as he's saying i'm saying just just say josh's name basically like cuz it was just completely Obvious. I don't. I don't get the impression that that was just him. But I, but look, I. I,
4: I know think- what I know what, the, I know what the, that was about though. The Josh McRoberts thing was Spo watching Boris Diaw kick his ass in five games the mm-hmm. year before and saying, "I want something similar to that." That and makes sense. And Riley going out and getting it for him.
1: And he got an analytic. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's yeah. basically, that's basically what Kelly is. Um, so I, you look, I, I think there's some fault to go around. I mean, look, it wasn't, you know, I know for a fact, it wasn't Pat who, who was big behind turning down all the draft picks for justice. He he deferred to his staff on that. And, and so we can look back at that one and say, you know, I, I know he I don't want to say who, but I know he turned to somebody in the room and said, you know, you always want draft picks. Should I take them? And the person
3: said no. Just um, no, the person said justice better. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so. So. And,
1: and, and again, at the time, nobody was saying that's a terrible. I mean, we were like, wow, justice was supposed to go in the top five and he dropped to number 10. So, well, I, I, you know, I, I was I, I was obsessed
2: with Brooklyn picks at the time. So I,
1: I,
3: I well, might be always been the one you're still, you'll be
1: obsessed with Brooklyn picks when there are no Brooklyn <laughs> picks. In the draft. Which <laughs> but, there aren't but, anymore. I mean, it, it makes me sad. But, but if you look, if, if you look, right, if, if we you,
3: could have a team full of draft picks, not oh, like actual man. draft picks, oh, just man. a <laughs> roster full of just draft slots. Best
2: team in the league. Best oh, just like league.
3: just ping pong balls. Like he would just roll out 15 <laughs> ping pong balls every week,
1: 15 Love strong. It. Yeah. Strong. Uh, but, but, you know, if you, if you go back to that draft though, I mean, again, give them some credit on this. Um, you know, I, I sort of detailed their draft follies over 20 years, but in 2015 with the number 40 pick, they got the guy who's been the third best player in that draft. If you look at the analytics and Josh Richardson. So, I, I mean, they, they, you know, whatever you think of justice, they certainly made up for it with Josh and I still think justice is very salvageable at this point. So I look that, that was fine. Um, but in 2014, I, it's hard to kill him for that. I mean, I, you know, if they, I, the only thing you can really blame the heat for in that situation is not seeing the signs with LeBron. Cause they were blindsided. They were completely, mm. uh, even if, even if you go to the day of, I was communicating with people in the front office who did not believe it. Like they, it was like, two hours before LeBron's decision and all signs were pointing that way. And I had players on from that had played with LeBron in Miami who were telling me he's gone. They got him Granger, McRoberts, he's gone. Um, And yet when you talk to high level people in the heat organization at that time, they still thought he was coming back. Okay. So if you want to blame them for anything, it was not sort of paying attention to what was really happening. And I think if you go back now, you can see that there were, signs from 2012 uh, all the way through. But what he did that summer, it's hard to blame him for. He signed the Deng to a two-year contract, which was smart, instead of giving Ariza more years than that. He gave himself flexibility. And that's, again, we're going to keep repeating this, that's my problem with last summer, is I feel like he's always put flexibility first, and then
2: suddenly mm-hmm. he didn't. And, and, I, and can I just illustrate, by the way, and I, I know Alf is saying that in, in two years or, or, or next offseason that things can start to look better. But uh, So, at, uh, spotrack.com, which is a website that Alf has oh never visited God. and will never, uh, but there is, <laughs> there is a metric that they have there called potential cap space. And for the next three seasons, <laughs> the Heat are 26th, 29th, and 26th in the league in an <laughs> amount of money that they will have available based off the contracts they have now. And so like, th- that is, a, that is a lack of flexibility. Like, even if with expiring contracts, even with all that, like compared <laughs> to the rest of the league, they are more committed than everyone else.
3: How did I know this entire time you were quiet, you were working on a spreadsheet? I, like I oh, knew 100% you were looking, I didn't were looking. What you said at from like minute 25 to you, minute
2: 45.
3: You have your own Excel sheet open and like, you're trying to improve on that sport track sheet. Aren't you? Listen, I would love to go see that that whatever website that you said that I'll yeah. never visit. Yeah, I'd love to it's see named what it looks. After Spo,
2: like. you should check it out.
3: Maybe in two thousand. I wonder if two thousand seven what they said about the Heat's cap space in two thousand ten. Right. I wonder yeah, but, I, I but, wonder but what if every team has cap space 3 years out okay, like like, what, like there's what, what,
2: there's nothing special about having cap space 3 years from what now is,
3: what is this crystal ball website you're looking at that's going to predict the fucking future right 538.com if they were right Hillary would be president no, I,
2: This is like, this isn't a prediction of maybe I'm saying based off of what the contracts in the league are right now they have bottom five cap space for the next three years with,
4: with no yeah, trades. Assuming, they're assuming with, that they're picking up options and then rolling the the contracts over. And but with not, no, yeah, with, I mean, you, no you, trades,
2: you, no, you, think, no, you think James Johnson is declining a player option for sixteen million dollars? He'd be insane to.
3: With witty, that's with no trades, no transactions, no okay. nothing. Right? No, I, I,
2: I agreed. Well, but with, like, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous when like these it, contracts are not easily tradable. I mean, oh, here we
3: go again. Uh, Timothy Mozgov just got traded.
2: Okay, mean, but you, they they had a staple of you know D'Angelo Russell who was a second overall pick. Like he no, he's I think,
1: I think he's talking. I think he's talking about again though, right? Like yeah, he Mazgov, just got traded again. Yeah, oh, yeah. was just traded. But uh, Alf, again, these contracts were signed, and I know it's a one-off. Okay, but these contracts were signed uh, before a guy who almost made the All-Star team last year, and Lou Williams signed for three years at twenty-four. I I, I don't know how you can look at at Dion waiters contract again with uh, let's even say he comes back hundred percent healthy from the ankle injury. And I know he's younger than Lou Williams. Okay. But he's never, he's never been except for like a a six week stretch. He's never been as good as Lou Williams. Okay. So what I mean, that's my problem with it is it it didn't account for the cap flattening out. And again, they have the best cap guy in the league. Okay. Like they, like I I think we all agree on that, right? Like uh, Andy is, is cream of the crop. Okay. So it's not him. Okay. I mean I mean he, Ethan, I mean, he, he just Ethan, presents think... options to them basically. And and Ethan, then you don't
3: they... think you don't think that Deion Waiters is worth 10% of the cap?
2: No. <sighs> I mean no, I think no. he's Honestly, a, a level with, with, exception guy. Like with, best.
3: With, without that ankle injury, I would agree with you, Alfredo, but with the ankle injury that they knew about, but that... he is twenty six. That by the way, Miami Heat beat reported first that he was going to be out six to eight weeks. <laughs> yes, I, know. To, I know, I know. Just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there. Yes, um, they did. They did. Uh, but I'm anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like that deal. But Ethan, here's my point. Mm. I mean, just to put it succinctly, there has to be some middle ground between abject disaster and deals we don't necessarily agree with. Can we all just say that? Yes. Like- <laughs> yes. Look, Alf, Alf, I'm with you,
1: it's not abject disaster. They're not going to be a, a forlorn franchise for very long. And they're Wh-
2: not going to win they're not going to win 28 games next year either. No, like, Witty's website,
3: Whitty, website says otherwise.
1: No, no, but look <laughs> Look, they have they they will be able to create more maneuverability. My frustration is just that again, he took himself he should never be taking himself out of the room because that is what he's best at is being in the room. And now and he's, he's located a, in Miami, Florida, not Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Correct. And he also now has a staff like they have a like a a front office that is a really smart, versatile front office where he has people like uh Spo and Adam Simon and Chet and others uh, who are creating these pitches for people that I mean we had windhorse on the pod who told us that he talked to league executives who said that the pitch to Gordon Hayward was the best pitch that the heat had ever made. And again, this is a franchise that pitched that got LeBron and Bosch to come. Whether you want to credit it to Riley or Wade or whatever, they got LeBron and Bosch to come. um, And that they basically put Tracy McGrady as widowers talked about in a boat. Okay. To go from what Zoe's house to Riley's house, or maybe it was the other way around to pitch him. Okay. Like, and the Gordon Hayward pitch was the best pitch they ever made, and they nearly got him. I don't know if that would have turned be a well, good contract, a okay, bad me, contract. So just don't, just don't take let me, okay so out of the room. That's all I'm
3: getting. Let me let me ask you something. And you're you're more tuned into the Heat uh, front office than I am, of course, because they would never let me into the Heat front office after one look at my Twitter page. But if i was in the heat front office i would ask is pat the one behind all of these decisions because and and this is just this is, this just is just a question for everybody if if these moves are so unrily like are is is does he have the same amount of control that he did maybe 10 years ago because you say there's all these front, smart people in the front office and all of a sudden he's doing things he's never done before so maybe it's not him I'm I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe he is not 100% in control. Maybe he's acquiesced a little bit to some of the other people in the front office, and they're sitting there with spreadsheets like Witty saying that James Johnson's one of the best power forwards in the league. Kelly Olenek can come in here and be a great center for us. Deion Waiters is this valuable, blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, or listen, I'm just spitballing here. Well, it's look, you always
2: got to blame everything on spreadsheets for. What did spreadsheets ever do to you?
3: Because you're the spreadsheet king, man. Like you are well, you,
2: our, our spreadsheet Alpha
1: is how you get paid, actually. So I, I would if I <laughs> were you I would, I, I'm Winnie. looking Keep at it, it right now, actually.
3: Keep it um, up with that Excel, all right? <laughs> right.
1: It, 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 exactly. I'm looking at the Miami Heat Beat and you know, God knows if you had another pod in the network. But I look I, I um yes, I think it's certainly possible that others have had influence, okay? And I, I do think that Eric's influence has has likely increased over time. Um obviously there have been decisions you've talked about that. Mickey's had a role in. I, I think Nick has probably had a role in some. Um, you know, I know Adam has had a role in some, and I know Chet uh, has had a role in some that have worked out pretty well, like the Josh Richardson draft pick that he sort of pounded the table for. Okay, so I, I think they have a combination, and then there's Shane, and I think that is something I know we want to get on into in the podcast here. Is, is you know, yeah, I, talk- I was
2: I was about ready to wrap up. <laughs> oh well, I, well let, let me. <laughs> we're, we're at an hour yeah. ten, so we should probably uh, you know <laughs> yeah finish. we, we're on we our, have a wrap have- up.
1: We haven't killed the network yet, but I guess this would be the (laughs) final thing. Um, Well, I mean, where, uh, where did they go from here? Because I think, you know, part of this, what what surprised me about Riley's decision last summer is it was not the decision that someone who was planning on leaving in the next year would make, right? Like you're not, you're not taking yourself out of the room to sign James Johnson and Dion Waiters. If you think like next year is going to be your last year. And actually when he spoke at the end of the season, he sounded more like more committed to staying for multiple years than I'd heard him in a couple of years. Now he's always been year to year. And now all of a sudden uh, he sounded much more committed to the franchise. So I guess I'll throw this to Alfredo first. Um, I, so, I mean, Shane Battier didn't take a second interview in Detroit. Is that the direction that they should go next? Like what should the front office look like after Pat?
4: Well, all we know about Mickey Harrison is that he one day woke up and said, who do I sign to turn over my franchise to? That's going to have the most credibility. Pat Riley. That's who he came up with. That's all he really knows about basketball really in his whole, the whole time he's owned the, the heat. So, who should he put in charge to hire Pat Riley's successor? But Pat Riley, because if do you trust Mickey Arison to go out there and vet all of these candidates and put the right guy in place? No, I think it should be. I think the the, the successor should be handpicked by Pat Riley. And if Pat Riley su- suggests that it should be Shane Battier, and I know they have a pretty good uh, relationship, then yeah, that that should be the guy. But he should be handpicked by the guy who. Put your franchise on the map for the last twenty four years,
3: Alf. Um, I think uh, I think Riley's got two, maybe three more years left in him. I think um, he's going to. He wants. I think he wants to leave the table set. Which (laughs) I mean, as much as I've defended him, that table isn't set very well right now. Um, this is like a real bootleg Thanksgiving. What's going on? Um, (laughs) but maybe. (laughs) maybe Maybe in two or three years, like I really do think summer 2019 and summer 2020 are going to be big years for the Heat. Like I don't know when guys like Anthony Davis come up or Giannis, or I, I I do think he's looking for that next wave because even some of the guys we we talk about now this summer, um, I mean these guys, some of these guys are on the downside of their career. Is he is he setting up the Heat for? another uh, decade of success with a LeBron James pickup, which is not going to happen anyway. Or maybe he's thinking 2019, 2020, 2021, when he gets one of these guys who are really going to be coming to their own, like Anthony Davis, or like I said, Giannis, is that what he's looking at? And then he can leave the table set for Shane and for Spo to have a really big um, hand in everything going on. I really do see like one day, Spo and um and Shane being like RC Buford and Pop um running the franchise together, and I, I think that's I think that's going to be the ultimate goal. But I think before Riley walks away, I think he wanted to walk away in 2015 or 2016 with a dynasty on his hands, and um that didn't happen. So I think he's just he's kind of stuck in this uh in this cycle trying to get it right before he can get off.
4: I think there's a plan. We just haven't seen it yet.
2: So that about covers it. We've been at this for about 70 minutes. So I feel like we should about wrap up at this point. This is great. And as Ethan said, uh, the goal of this was to uh, not have the podcast network burned to the ground. And we about accomplished that goal. So uh, this was fun. And even though Alf will uh, continue to shame me for being a nerd, I am an unapologetic nerd. And I will not be shamed. So that'll just about do it for this edition of the podcast. Thanks to both Alves for joining us today. Again, follow us on Twitter at 5 Sports and subscribe to the podcast as well. Subscribe to these guys' podcasts as well. Miami Heat beat, three arts per carry, all on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you don't mind. It certainly helps us grow as a podcast network. And that'll just about do it for this edition of the 5 Reasons Sports Podcast.
1: Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of the Fantasy on 5 podcast, part of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, letting you know that your fantasy football needs are covered this season. My co-host David Ganos and I will be leading you hand-in-hand through your draft and right up to Championship Sunday, offering our insight into the world of fantasy football. We'll also be inviting some of our friends from Sports Illustrated, Yahoo, and DraftKings. Look for us Tuesdays and Thursdays starting in July wherever you currently listen to your favorite 5 Reasons Network podcast.